Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Well, we'd love to share our travel experiences, but too often there are things that annoy us, things that others do that drive us crazy. Today, executive producer Gene Harley will join me as we uncover those travel pet peeves, especially air travel pet peeves. We have them in everyday lives and travel is no different. Well, maybe they're even more annoying. (laughs) We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. But right now, let's get into a little travel news. Well, certainly the topic is the mask mandate. Will it stick or won't it stick? White House officials have confirmed that the TSA will no longer enforce the transportation mask mandate following a federal court ruling in Florida striking down the mandate. This is the full statement. Agencies are reviewing the decision and assessing potential next steps. In the meantime, today's court decision means CDC's public transportation masking order is not in effect at this time. Therefore, TSA will not enforce its security directives and emergency amendment requiring mask use on public transportation and transportation hubs at this time. CDC recommends that people continue to wear masks indoor public transportation settings. Now, this comes sooner than expected since the mask mandate was extended from April 18 to May 3rd. Now, although not unwelcome for the travel industry, as airline and other travel executives have made it very clear, a likely next step would be removing pre-arrival testing to enter the United States, as the EU countries have already done so, benefiting crews and other cross-border travel. Delta Airlines have already jumped on board and said it would stop requiring masks on flights following a federal judge's decision voiding the federal mask mandate for transportation. They actually made the announcement mid-flight and at least 50% of the passengers on board cheered and immediately removed their masks. Reports earlier this week you can find it's about 50-50 when you go to airports and on flights that individuals are are opting to or not to wear the mask amidst this new decision and it's about 50 50 so right now the choice is yours to mask or not mask and this is of course at the time we've recorded this which may mean it may change very soon so we're not sure if the may 3rd date will stick as the federal judge has said that the CDC has overstepped its bounds. Yikes. Well, this is coming just ahead of another report that says that the prediction of summer travel is that it may be a summer of travel chaos. Oh boy. Here's why. 
These travel restrictions are easing, as we just talked about. Infection rates are settling. Then you're fully vaccinated, and you are finally thinking that it's okay to go on vacation. Well, this year, the makeup for holidays means that there are a lot more travelers, and there will be a lot more families traveling this summer. Generational travel, those who missed out on their vacations in 2021 and in 2020. So you're likely to see pre pandemic numbers while traveling. However, this is going to lead to some chaos. And one of the top reasons is that air travel, for example, the airlines have already stated that they will be cutting some flights because of a shortage in staffing. So that means that if there is going to be flight cancellations due to lack of crew, if there are delays, they're going to add to those cancellations. Summer can sometimes have weather delays with summer storms, all of these things. And rental car rates and gas prices haven't gotten really much of a reprieve. Those rental car prices are still extremely high. So all of this is really adding to what experts are calling a summer of travel chaos. Mm, gives you something to look forward to. In the United Kingdom, you're already seeing images of lines at the airports, snaking lines as they're calling it, piles of baggage on something recently that happened that there was an issue at an airport in the United Kingdom in London, as a matter of fact, and the Stansted Airport where there was just luggage that was just dropped off a full 24 hours before their flight. This was during the Easter break and people were waiting hours and hours for their luggage. So these are some of the things that are already happening. And this is just during spring break travel. As far as airlines in the United Kingdom and in the EU, they've already started dropping those mask mandates. And it's really based on what is happening at the origin or the destination, or in some cases, both, whether or not a mask is going to be required on board a flight. So just be prepared for a summer of travel restrictions changing. And sometimes there may be some backtracking. Sometimes one thing may be in effect, and then the next week, not in effect and then in effect again, because again, they're going to really base this on how we're dealing with or how these numbers will improve or decline with the COVID infections and surges. So we'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen with COVID travel restrictions. What will apply? What won't apply? Will it matter if you're fully vaccinated or not? Will you have to get a pre-travel COVID test or not? So it'll be very interesting to see how all of this unfolds throughout the world as more and more borders have opened, are open, and more and more borders are now opening without COVID travel restrictions, and some have some restrictions, some have other restrictions. So it's going to be very important that you know what they are. Don't just base that on what is the current restriction. You want to check again a week out and even a few days prior to make sure that you're going to be up to date. You want to check the airline's website. You want to check the country's website that you're visiting. And you want to make sure that you're having as much electronically at hand as possible so that if you 
do misplace something or that if something changes, you can quickly have access to it. Now, here in the United States, there is a pilot shortage. For example, the rebound of the domestic U.S. market last summer saw a demand as high as 70% of pre-pandemic levels, and that's going to be greater this year. The airlines simply just don't have the infrastructure to respond to it. Various airlines really had a meltdown, adding that over 5,000 pilots left or were asked to leave the industry in 2020, and new ones aren't coming in that fast. Actually, there's been a shortage of pilots for years, so it's really difficult. So if you ask someone to leave and to retire, you have to see if maybe they are going to come back from retirement, and a lot have opted not to. And again, going back to those flight cancellations, at least three to four airlines have already said that they've cut their routes by 10% or their flights by 10% ahead of the summer. And then rental car rates. They started skyrocketing last year and they have not gone back down. Some people have said, I wanted to rent a car and not buy one. <laughs> but the rates are still very high and the availability as the car rental companies, just as a reminder, amidst 2020, for them to survive, they had to sell off a lot of their fleet. So that created this supply and demand issue and it made the rates go really, really high. So not just the rates are high, but the availability as well. So certainly if you plan to rent a car this summer, don't delay. So all in all, just be prepared, book early, know your rights, make sure you're flexible, have a backup plan, and let's hope for the best. But you're certainly going to have to prepare for what some experts are calling summer of travel chaos. Now, if you were offered up to $10,000 from an airline to give up your seat on a flight, would you? Well, what if it's $10,000 in travel on that particular airline? Would you give up your seat? Well, consider this. There is a viral video on TikTok in which airline JetBlue offered $10,000 for any passengers willing to give up their seats. And this happened on a flight to Cancun. Well, no one was taking it. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. None of the passengers were willing to give up their seats. So according to the passenger video, the whole deal went on and on, but no one took the offer, even though the flight was not cleared to leave. So it took some time to fix the situation, but the airplane could finally touch down in Cancun. The main issue that caused the whole situation was that JetBlue had to transport some of their crew because their original flight got stuck in a snowstorm. Yeah, spring snowstorm. Well, spring in the U.S., of course, can be very unpredictable. And some, you know, just said that it sounds great, but when you think about it, you're not getting $10,000 in cash. You're getting $10,000 in travel on JetBlue. And it's not, of course, in one use. It's broken down into individual credits. But I'm thinking you're still going to be able to get multiple flights, even maybe first class on the flights that they offer it. But after much consideration, one passenger finally negotiated his way through the deal and got a $15,000 flight credit to leave the plane. 
Yeah, in today's world, that sometimes seems to be a lot of money. And this obviously had to do with a lot of negotiation. And in these situations, when you have to give up your seat, then you go the next day or you go later that day if they have multiple flights. So I just wonder where he's going to go and how he's going to use that $15,000 flight credit on JetBlue. Now, here's something else that you want to think about. There was a family in Tampa that was detained at a Cancun hotel over a billing error. So all in all, what happened is that the family booked some excursions or an excursion package from the hotel prior to taking their trip. But then they decided not to take the excursions and they contacted the hotel in advance and the excursion package was for about $12,000. They canceled it and were told no problem, it would be taken off their bill. They were not penalized for cancellation. However, they went to Cancun, they enjoyed their stay, and upon leaving, the front desk said, I'm sorry, but you have this $1,200 bill. They said, no, we canceled it. And that's where they had a stalemate. All in all, the hotel just said, unless you pay this, we will call the police and have you arrested. They closed the entrance and exit ways, and they also took their luggage off of the shuttle bus. Eventually, the family went ahead and paid it just so that they could leave, and then they dealt with the matter later. They were later credited and They were able to show that they canceled the excursions well in advance, and the hotel has apologized. This is the Hard Rock Hotel Cancun. Here's just a tip. If you're doing something like that in your pre-booking excursions and you decide that you need to cancel them, make sure that you get a notice of cancellation, maybe even a cancellation number, that you get it emailed to you, that you print that out and you have that proof. But at the end of the day, that family did the right thing, just paid it, because certainly if you're paying by credit card, you can dispute that if you have the proper documentation that you canceled it in advance without penalty. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, we'll have executive producer Gene Harley and our travel pet peeves. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you visit the website, travelingculturati.com. Also connect with me on social media and join that travel club. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. Now, many are opting for vacation rentals and some have had not so nice experiences or experiences that are completely different than what was advertised. While nothing is 100%, there are some things you can do to avoid some big disappointments. Check the location, ask for landmarks, locate it on Google Maps, and check the surrounding areas. Understand the services and amenities. This is very important to understand what is available to you, including beds. Just because it says sleeps eight, it may not mean there are actually eight beds. Carefully review the cancellation and change policies. Get travel insurance. I often find travelers don't get traveler's insurance when using a vacation rental. I don't know why. Know the rules. This too is important so you don't get evicted. Use a major company. Major companies can offer you protection and security with standards. If there is an issue during your stay, 
day, report it right away. Document it. Take photos. You don't want to be blamed for something a previous renter did or something you didn't do. Also, if you feel it's worthy of a price reduction, do so immediately and not after your stay. There are just a few tips that can save you a big headache and give you a pleasant experience. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. Well, you know, we all travel, and when we do, we love to share our experiences, but sometimes we like to share our annoyances. We have pet peeves, travel pet peeves. I certainly have a long list of them. (laughs) Sometimes it's cultural differences, but sometimes it's just because people are downright rule. So today, executive producer Jean Harley is joining me and we're uncovering some of those pesty pet peeves for air travel and for travel in general. Hello, Jean, and welcome back. Hi, Javon. Good to be here. Is there something that tops your list, Jean? with a pet peeve, whether it's air or just travel in general? I think the number one for a lot of people is people who cough or sneeze without covering up, especially on an airplane. I think that tends to be number one with a lot of folks. If you're coughing or sneezing or not feeling well, okay, number one, you should stay at home. But number two, at least cover. Use your sleeve, not your hand. Use a napkin or a tissue. Bring some tissues along and apologize. Well, especially in today's environment. And actually, there was a survey that I'm using that was done by Passport Photo Online, specifically about air travel pet peeves. It was a 2022 study. It was done using over 100 Americans who shared what made them annoyed on board. And one of the things that topped the list was people not covering their mouths when coughing or sneezing. And it's about 76% of those respondents said that that was one of their top annoyances. And I really think the pandemic or COVID has a lot to do with that currently, because now it's kind of like the sneeze or cough heard around the world. Everybody stops and looks at you. Sure, everybody looks up when someone sneezes or coughs on an airplane, especially in close proximity. You know, if you're having a coughing fit or if you're doing a lot of sneezing, it's best to excuse yourself and go to the restroom. But if you just have a sneeze that comes up, just take precautions. I mean, you know, that's why we have masks. And I know mask mandates are no longer mandatory, but it's something that you should be wearing if you have any type of cold flu or even allergies. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things for me are unruly or misbehaved children. And this goes beyond the airplane. I remember on our recent trip in Dubai, we were trying to take a photo of one thing and we patiently stayed in line to position ourselves to take this photo. And when it was our turn, these children just kept running up and the parents sat and watched them and the parents watched our annoyance and did nothing. You know, not everyone thinks your children are cute, especially when they're misbehaving. I'm just going to say that. And it is a time where you start to teach them social respect, respect of other people's time and space. And we sat there and patiently waited. Then the children would run away and we would position to take our pictures. And then they ran right back and the parents just looked and did nothing. Yeah. Many times you get into the circumstance where Parents let their children tire themselves out, not just at the location, but even on the airplane. I'm going to let her cry herself out. I'm going to let them run around now so they'll fall asleep later. When you're in confined areas or even out in public, they still need to be under 
the control of the parents. So because basically you don't know what incidents can happen, the safety and security of everyone. You don't want your child falling and getting hurt. I see that happen all the time. You don't want them knocking over something, especially on an airplane. And many times the flight attendants have to take it upon themselves to police your own children. And you don't want to have to do that. So basically it's a good time to socialize your children for travel, which doesn't mean it's a playground. The airplane or the resort or the area shouldn't be that. I remember years ago we were trying to relax at a resort and the children were actually hopscotching above the chairs we were laying on. They thought that was cute while people were trying to lay out in the sun and the parents just were chattering and having a good time off in the distance and children were jumping bombs into the water and splashing everybody. And that's something that takes away from the enjoyment of everyone. Well, and I certainly believe that children need to have fun and children will be children. But I do think that you have to be aware of others, especially when you're in shared space. So Mm -hmm. yeah, misbehaving children were one of the other things that top the list. But nearly 67% of US travelers are not happy with the ever changing travel restrictions, the testing requirements, passengers who don't wear face masks properly, and those who don't practice social distancing at all. Now, this mask thing is really something that may or may not stick, (laughs) may or may not be extended, but certainly in these spaces when a mask is required, wear it and wear it properly. That's one of the things. And I can tell you on our recent trip again to Dubai and the Maldives, just as we were leaving, they relaxed the COVID travel restrictions. And so if we were just a week or two later, we wouldn't have had to have gotten the tests because we were vaccinated. And even now you wouldn't have to wear a mask. So yeah, these restrictions that are constantly changing, just as the pandemic and virus is constantly changing. Yeah, so the mask mandate may change, but if you're trying to be safe and secure, it's always best to wear one. And that's part of the personal responsibility you should take when you travel in there. So we talk about that, and you know, that becomes a big thing. Cleanliness is a big issue personal cleanliness, cleanliness of the plane, cleanliness of the hotel. I'm looking over my pet peeves, and they include everything from getting on an airplane and finding that the tray and everything is dirty when you get on there personal cleanliness of the people around you when odors and smells seem to take over from the food they brought on or personal hygiene or relaxing of your muscles while you fall asleep or whatever. We know what that term (laughs) might come into. Flatulence. (laughs) So, you know, the big F. So you basically have a lot of instances where it's in there. I have been on airplanes and it's the first flight out in the morning and the plane is still dirty. And that's a consideration on a long flight that you're sitting in a chair that's dirty. You have been in seats that were wet or something because maybe they weren't clean property or somebody spilled something. And the flight crew, it's not their responsibilities, but they end up being part of it because the cleaning crew is long gone. And as airlines try to save money, they cut back on a lot of those services or they speed up those services so they can turn around the plane faster. And in some instances, we've actually found trash put in the bag. I didn't even want to open up and know what it was in the refuse bag put in the tray in front of us. And nobody wants to pick it up and no one wants to clean it. But you're on that flight for an hour, two hours or 10 hours trying to figure out what it is. And can I please get somebody to clean this up? We now wipe down our trays and everything like that. But cleanliness is a big issue 
on airplanes, and that's part of the safety issue. It certainly is, and it makes me think as we are entering this phase of restrictions, especially related to COVID being relaxed, will some of these practices that were put into place because of it, are they going to be relaxed as well? And that's my concern that we will no longer have the same type of cleaning, even for the virus itself. And as Mm -hmm. the airlines are making this case against having to wear the masks, saying that they have the best air filtration systems and so forth, it's still not going to change the fact that you're sitting within five inches of someone who may be ill. And even when you're getting on a plane, if it's not properly cleaned, that if they were sick, those germs are left what behind. They behind. That's my concern. I was appalled as of late, the last few weeks or so that I've gone out, even for drinks or to a restaurant, to go into the ladies' room and see several women come out of the stall and not wash their hands. And I know that would send our healthcare professional Yolanda Como through the roof because she always says, wash your hands. A lot of cross-contamination and spreading of germs can be avoided by washing your hands. And so many people, even in today's environment, you're at a restaurant and it's during a pandemic and you don't wash your hands after using the bathroom. It's just really crazy. We've made a big deal about that and hand sanitizer, hand wipes and everything. That was a part of our travel tradition long before COVID and hopefully it will remain part of ours and everyone else. Yeah, but simply washing your hands does so much. That was the first part when the pandemic started wash your hands, sanitize. Then later on, it was wear a mask and other things. And we need to get back to that. But that comes down to personal responsibility and improper behavior when you travel. I think the biggest part of it, it's not just the children running around, but loud people on planes, improper behavior, not dressing properly, sneaking alcohol on an airplane. I mean, come on, these are just stupid things that happen. And these are my pet peeves when I look around and I see somebody drunk because the airline allows you to start selling liquor at seven o'clock in the morning before the flights take off. And eight out of 10 also say that the lack of overhead bin space near their seat drives them absolutely mad. And these new air bins that airlines are outfitting on aircraft, they have to take out the old ones and put in the new ones. So it doesn't mean that they need to increase the space of the aircraft, but they just have newly designed bins that are deeper and wider, which will allow you to stand your bag on its side and therefore allowing two bags in the place of one. And you know, that is great because we noticed it on the Airbus 320s, 321s, the 737s. These new bins make it great for you to be able to bring luggage on board. But personal responsibility, you constantly see people who have expanded their 22-inch bag to full size, and then they're amazed when it won't fit in the overhead. More importantly, they can't even lift it to get it in the overhead bin. And I'm always amazed at how they get on because for some reason, I always seem to attract the flight attendant or the ticket agents or gate agents who notice I have one purse too many and it's a tiny, tiny, tiny little wallet purse. And it's like, you must put it inside your bag. I'm like, okay, it can go inside my bag, but 
no, you have to put it inside your bag. And I'm thinking, how do these people get on yeah. with a bag that won't even fit in the overhead bin? And they're looking at me because my wallet bag that just has a strap on it that I take out sometimes and don't put away won't go on the plane because it needs to be inside a bag. One bag too many. That always amazes me. But some of the other pre-flight pet peeves that have made the list in addition to the constantly changing travel restrictions are flight delays and cancellations. And I have to tell you that we are embarking upon what they're calling can be a summer of chaos when it comes to travel. And that may have to do with flight delays and cancellations. Airlines have already started cutting some of their flight schedules by 10%. And this is all due to staffing shortages. Yeah, that's true. What you have now is circumstances where flights have been already canceled, will be canceled, delays are going to happen. Like you always said, get on the first flight out every morning. You stand a better chance because later in the day that accumulates and it's later and later. People get more upset. We have more hurricanes. We have more tornadoes. We have more inclement weather starting early, starting now. Spring and summer is going to be even worse. So with all that in mind, you're going to have to use a lot of patience when you travel this summer, but there are going to be people who are upset. So you need to schedule yourself well in advance. That you certainly need to do and give yourself plenty of time on connecting flights because that's going to be an issue as well, especially if we have delays and cancellations and a shortage of staff, especially if you're connecting from a domestic to an international flight. It could be a major problem. So that's something that you want to watch out for. Now, here's one that drives me insane. And I jokingly say I must be wearing my invisible cloak today today. And this is people who cut in line, be it the security line or the check-in line. Have we lost all manners? I mean, it is absolutely crazy that you're standing there to board and someone goes right in front of you. Not that they are in a prioritized boarding queue or zone or whatever, but just because they decide I'm getting on the plane now and I'm going to walk ahead of everybody. Sure. Yeah. People are standing in line, especially at this time where we have people who are standing in line and giving ourselves three, six feet in between. And somebody sees that. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were in line. I saw an opening. There are no openings. When they call your flight, you get in line and you go from that point. Even if you're in a priority, there is a separate line for priority or whatever. You can do that. But also the people who feel that their question must be answered and you're standing there in line, you're the next person to go up and they run up and say, I just want to squeeze this question. And no, no, you get in line and do it. The plane's not going to take off until we're all on board. Yes. <laughs> I always say in any of my travel tips and even my traveler's checklist is to pack your patience because it's really will save. And I always think of the serenity prayer or statement, those things that you can't change, just have a kumbaya moment with yourself, a woosah moment, and just <laughs> deal with it. Because adding to the situation by making a deal of it or making an issue of it, then you're part of the problem and not part of the solution. Some things can be ignored. You don't need to react to everything. And I often have to tell myself that because sometimes I do want to tell people about themselves. Mm. <laughs> just because you kind of think, you know what, you need to know you're behaving badly, or you're acting in a way that is not socially responsible. But sometimes I have to mind my own 
business. So with that being said, let's talk about ways that we avoid or ignore those who are behaving badly or those annoying travelers. One for me is certainly putting my headphones I, on. I think that's number one. <laughs> I literally have put on headphones that weren't plugged into anything just to make sure they knew I'm putting them on because I no longer want to have this conversation with you. It starts off bad if you're going to be on a 10, 12, 14, 16 hour flight and the person starts chattering and we haven't even gotten all seated yet and they're trying to set up a conversation. That sets a wrong standard right there. But if somebody puts on headphones or a headset, it's time to stop talking. And, and that means they don't want to talk to you. They will reach out to you when they want to. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt you needed to confront someone? Rarely. I think maybe only once or twice I've said to someone, I think most of the time it's better to speak to the flight attendant. Yes. And that was going to be my other question is, have you ever needed to or had to notify the flight attendant that there was an annoying traveler or someone who needed to be reprimanded in some way? For third parties, not directly for myself. If somebody gets that annoying, I will directly confront them on there. I'm trying to avoid being that person who's going to be photographed, taking out the annoying person, but it's gotten to that point where I've gotten leaned towards that, and then I just sit apart. We've been blessed in many circumstances, traveling half the year, that that rarely happens. But there have been circumstances where I see somebody, and I say something's going on, and I ask the flight attendant to intercede before somebody else like myself has to. I want to go back to children behaving badly because it tops the list. But one of the ones that I think unfairly tops the list as it comes to children is really with babies, crying babies. The babies cannot help it. This isn't a situation where the child is old enough to understand the right and wrong and that the parents are just ignoring them and letting them run amok. A baby crying does not bother me as much. Of course, it's an annoying sound, but I think because I feel the baby cannot help it and I can see sometimes the anguish on the mom's or dad's face that they know everyone around them is annoyed and there's not a lot they can do about it. And I see them really trying to console the child. But 67% of the people surveyed said that crying babies annoyed them. Is that something that really annoys you? It annoys me if it's going to be continuous all the way through. And I think it annoys me when it's past the age of baby. It's a toddler or somebody else who's now crying for attention. And the parent is saying, I'm just going to let them cry it out. I'm going to let them tire themselves out. I go the other direction. I am more annoyed by the adult that speaks loudly, that feels they must carry on a conversation that all of us want to hear, or the person, even the child or the parent that feels that they need to play the video or play the phone or watch the video or watch the YouTube or whatever without headsets. That sound is something that we can control. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I really feel for the parents. But what about those people who bring on board their own smelly food? Yeah, that, <laughs> we discussed that one before. And yes, I am amazed by the fact that food is so bad on airplanes. But you know what? Rarely does it smell bad. I'm more into the instance of somebody who's purchased something that they know it probably tastes good, but they bring a cheese tray or they bring something that has strong odors to it. And that scent carries through the whole plane. And yes, the plane air circulates more than any place other than probably a hospital ER room. 
But at the same time, that smell when it's next to you can really disturb you. <laughs> yeah. Now, they say that 67% of the respondents said that they're very annoyed by passengers who take off their shoes or socks on the plane. Yes. Now, for me, it raises an eyebrow. Well, it's not annoying to me because I think they're doing themselves harm <laughs> more than anything. Walking around with nothing on there. However, take it to the next step. It's that person then that puts the feet out in the aisle oh. or puts it up on the seat in front of them or puts it there in the corner and they're in the window and they slide it up in the window and you gaze over to your right and you see toes or take it to the next step. They now decide that they want to clip their toenails or paint their toenails on the flight because, oh, got my shoes off and I notice, ooh, those toes could use a little work. Let me clean them up or whatever. That's taking it to the next step. But you're right. It's a personal hygiene thing that you're taking a risk. You're walking on carpet that hasn't been cleaned that recently. You're going in a bathroom that hasn't been cleaned. If you're in the class of service that includes slippers, then put them on. If it includes travel socks, put them on. Or bring your own if you want to take off your hard shoes because you want to relax on a long flight. But don't walk around barefoot. No. Well, and it brings to mind two videos that I've seen on social media. One is the celebrity Lizzo. And recently there was a photo of her with buttless pants and that I don't get like chaps and the whole rear end is out she's on a private plane I know first reaction is oh but understanding private planes are not your own plane other people rent the private plane it just means it's not commercial where everyone's boarding you're leasing the plane for that period and only you are using it but as soon as you get to your destination someone else is chartering that private plane and i'm not visualizing i'm not sure who lizzo is but the whole point of it is is that if you end up with a butt rash (laughs) because you sat on somebody's seat with your skin and again how well was it cleaned? It, Sanitized for your protection is something that happens in motels and stuff. It doesn't happen all the time on airplanes. Right. That's my point. And then another video last year that circulated on social media was a woman who installed braids, did a crochet, <laughs> and oh she was God. in economy. Now, Wasn't granted, she reaching over the seat, the lady in front of her. No, no, no. She was doing her own oh, hair. Her own hair. Okay. But still, hair is something yeah. that again is a sanitary thing. That's why people who are in kitchens and so forth wear hair nets. We don't know how clean the hair is, and with the fans blowing or whatever, you know, that's what just not. There are certain things you personal shouldn't hygiene do. does not take place. on the airplane in the common area they have a bathroom but if it's something longer than that no you shouldn't be doing it on a plane yes and as you mentioned with the feet on the arm rest again that's a shared arm rest whether the person's in front of you or to the side of you so you know you have to be respectful of other people's times now one thing that annoys quite a few people And when I say quite a few people, I mean at least 64% are those people who stand up when the plane lands, immediately stands up and floods the aisle. 
I'm anytime at one of those who's yeah. trying to get my bag out and get there. And yes, but I do it in front of my seat. I don't move. I've seen people literally try to push towards the front. I was on one flight where a lady got up on a wide body and ran to the front of the plane as it landed, not as it stopped, but as it landed. And they think she was just having an anxiety attack. But it scared everybody because this is the time where you don't want anybody running towards the front of the plane or towards the flight cabin or the operations area. But add that to it. My other worst one is cheering or applauding when the plane lands. Okay. <laughs> if we've had a terrible flight and we've had to go back around, which I've had to do because the first landing didn't work and the pilot miraculously gets us on the ground, applaud. Okay. If you're applauding just because they land and this is what they do every day, it's a little bit of a waste. Well, I, that doesn't bother me at all. It actually humors me, but it doesn't bother me. But going back to the people who stand up, here's my thinking. We all have to get off the plane, right? And yes, I know you want to grab your bag, but is it that you think someone else is going to take your bag? Because if you just wait your turn, stand up, and then get your bag and get off, then those who are in turn can again take their turn. Because what happens often is that people stand up and those behind you are now in front of you and you have to wait until that area clears for you to be able to stand up and to get your bag. And it's like, we're all getting off the plane, aren't we? Yeah, I think it comes in effect if there are some delicate items that you're worried about, because sometimes you see people stuffing items in there and you may have had some items that you were afraid might get broken. I just like to check and make sure they're okay. Okay. Yes, you can do it slowly, but I've literally had people come off, pull their item out and knock other items to the floor. And they don't even apologize because they just want to get their bag and they were ahead of you. Or people come back and open up the bin. It's the wrong bin and items fall out. So I've made it a point to make sure and secure that the items, at least over my head, are secure by opening the bin and taking a look, not moving forward or backwards, but just making sure everything's secure and pulling things out. Well, that's all we have for our pet peeves. If you have any, please share with us and let us know. When I come back, I'll have the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. The website, TravelingCulturati.com. Go ahead and check it out. Follow me on social media and join that travel club. We've got Egypt coming up and we have Greece and soon Spain this fall. So make sure you join the travel club so that you're always in the know and hopefully you'll be able to go. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, food, music, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. Let's talk about food, one of my favorite aspects of culture. Food and Wine magazine published their inaugural list of America's next great food cities. And I'd like to share this publication with you. The list is comprised of what Food and Wine magazine deems as America's seven most exciting and upcoming destinations for food lovers, plus four smaller cities that have vibrant food and drink scenes. Stating that 
The culinary landscape in cities big and small around the country has matured exponentially in the past two decades. A large part of this change and emergence is due to the pandemic, which have seen many chefs and restaurateurs leave their big urban centers and return to their smaller hometowns. And this returning talent, plus a new generation of entrepreneurs, has added to the food scene. The seven most exciting big cities, plus four smaller towns with populations less than 60,000 that have big scenes. Each city profile highlights local chefs, restaurants, producers, pop-ups, retailers, food halls, markets, distillers, breweries, incubators, and more that make up the dynamic and diverse food culture of each place. So let's start with Cincinnati, Ohio. Finlay Market is a historic quarter centered around a mid-1800s hall with fresh-picked produce. Locals flock to the market and have been doing so for centuries. Oh, I just love a good food market. Cincinnati is certainly no stranger to good food, though. They have had fine restaurants like Jean-Robert de Caval's Maisonnette, one of the finest French restaurants in the country. Then they have these local dishes like the famous cinnamon-laced chili that's typically served over spaghetti. It has its roots in restaurants owned by Macedonian immigrants. But today they have a new generation of chefs. And that's why Cincinnati made the list. You have Zuni Cafe. Hyper seasonal cooking at Tony and Austin Ferrari's Fausto, a modern Lebanese cooking, Kentucky lamb kofta, and baking at Dominique Corey's pop-up favorite, Lukma. And then you have omakase at Hideki and Yuko Harada's Kiki. And they have cocktails in a salon-like environment at Anjou. Then there's this ultra-modern food hall, Oakley Kitchen. Chefs like Jose Salazar of Salazar and Mitas, and now Goose and Elder and restaurateurs like Ashley and Austin Height at Deer Restaurant and Butchery. There's the chic Japanese-inspired pastries at Cafe Mochiko, and then, of course, cappuccinos at the Ferrari Brothers Mamanim <laughs> Coffee and Wine. The latter is the Midwest's essential cafes. They're very, very popular they're building another one across the town. Then there's Boise, Idaho. Yes, Boise, Idaho. Over the past few years, Boise has quietly been accumulating all of the trappings of a great food town. Craft breweries, third wave coffee roasters, fancy donut shops, food trucks, and immigrant-run restaurants like Key Brahms Ethiopian and Eritrean cuisine, and Ansatz Basque chorizos. Oh, I just love Basque cuisine. The James Beard Awards have put a national spotlight on a handful of the city's talent, like Chef Chris Komori and Baker Moshit Mitsrachi Gabitas. Komori's newest restaurant, Kin, hosts a five-course Saturday supper featuring unexpected flavors, combinations like olive consomme with shrimp wonton, blue cheese, and jasmine. And when the pandemic postponed the opening, Komori started offering halt 
picnics on the restaurant lawn paired with live ballet and opera performances to support the local arts community. He also emerged as a voice of change, tackling issues like food insecurity and racial equity. You know, I just love how these ideas are born out of strife. So being able to offer something like a hout picnic outdoors when everyone was so in this pandemic-stricken environment, wonderful, wonderful thing. And he's kept that idea. Two newcomers, Chef Cal Elliott, a Boise native, has returned to serve chiapino, ceviche, and oysters at Little Pearl Oyster. And then at The Lively... Chef Edwin Higgins highlights local ingredients like the Idaho ruby trout, which is a Rockefeller twist with a vermouth butter crust. That sounds divine. I absolutely love ruby trout. I discovered that several years back and it has really become one of my favorites. The bar matches his culinary ingenuity with cocktails like the cognac and chamomile tea based Pharaoh's Gold. That one certainly sounds intriguing as well. Then there's, of course, the casual side of dining. Pandemic creativity gave rise to two new downtown food truck parks, Green Acres and The Switchback, each with yard games, live music, and alfresco workout classes. And the latter this year, the city will welcome its first food hall called The Warehouse, a 29,000 square foot space with more than 20 vendors that have anything from fancy waffles to artisan cocktails. Now, I know we're saying Idaho is the potato state, but they also have some vineyards, 1,300 acres of vineyards. The wine scene is one of the Pacific Northwest's best kept secrets, and women are leading the way, like Idaho natives Leslie Preston and Melanie Krause, who got their start in Napa Valley and in Woodenville, Washington, respectively, before returning home to open two of the region's most exciting wineries, Coiled and Cinder. Both have tasting rooms along the Greenbelt, Boise's 25-mile riverfront path, and the vineyards of the Snake River Valley are worthy of attention for their Rieslings and their Vonniers. They're about 40-minute drive from downtown. And last summer, there was the opening of Vino Camp, a glamping retreat. How lovely is that? And then Omaha, Nebraska, staking claim to the Reuben. You've ever had the Reuben sandwich? So for those of you who have not had the Reuben sandwich, it's of pumpernickel or rye bread that is slathered with butter, stuffed with corned beef, Swiss cheese, sauerkraut, and Thousand Island dressing. And then it's pressed and grilled. Now, it is the Blackstone Hotel in Omaha, Nebraska, where it is said to have originated. So the story goes, there was a bunch of local merchants who played poker after hours at the Blackstone Hotel. And they preferred this particular sandwich as their midnight snack. Well, the Blackstone building was converted to offices back in early 1980s. So it went away. But today, the Blackstone is a hotel once again, with the Reuben back on the menu. Now at the elegant Committee Chop House, where the famed sandwich is now made with Gruyere cheese and a hit of spicy mustard. So they've spruced it up a bit. And then there's some sweets, mixed cookies and flavors like cinnamon whiskey crackle from the excellent Bang Cookies, or how about a rich banana pudding from Filipino-owned dessert shop 
Bananas, yes, spelled B A O N A N A S, Bananas. And then, of course, the coffee shop because you've got to have some good coffee if you're having some sweet eats. And the coffee shop, Clo Coffee Company, a pandemic born business that is trying to change the conversation around quality and sustainable coffee. When you're ready for that cocktail hour, there's Frankie, which is an Australian inspired spot. They have, of course, their signature cocktails and a selection of natural wines from Europe and Australia. And then you can grab a souvenir bottle of whiskey or gin from the local favorite Corgi Spirits. And then Tucson, Arizona. Now, Tucson was designated a UNESCO City of Gastronomy in 2015, and it's Arizona's second largest city. And it's known as the land of tortillas, (laughs) but it's certainly a whole lot more. You can get some excellent tortillas there, but they certainly have a whole lot more like at El Charo Cafe. Then there is La Indita, which serves all the classics of a sit-down Mexican restaurant, but also those dishes like fried Tarascan tacos that honor founder Maria Garcia's Tejano heritage. And then there's the Anita's Street Market, St. Mary's Mexican Food, Tacos, Absent. I'm getting so hungry talking about this. But they also have a rival to Chicago's hot dogs. Yes, they have the Sonoran Dog. And it typically comes in a soft bolillo roll and is loaded with pinto beans, chopped tomatoes, onions, mayonnaise, mustard, and a salsa verde. Uh, We have to put it to the test and give that Chicago dog and the Sonoran dog a competition to see which one reigns supreme. There's also Charlotte, North Carolina that have some great spots by Chef David Burke, like Cloud Bar and the Red Salt by David Burke. And then there are these small cities with big food scenes like Bozeman, Montana. Yes, Bozeman, Montana, Bidford, Maine, Charlottesville, Virginia, and Greenville, South Carolina. And there are some wonderful things. And again, what I really love about this is that these are some big time chefs that had made their way to big cities like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco. And a lot of them returned to their small town homes during the pandemic and became creative and really started putting these cities on the map with their creativity and their culinary delights. So definitely get this issue of food and wine and they're America's next great food cities. You can also get them online as well. Check them out if you're going to be in those neighborhoods. Check them out if you're going to be in those big cities next to these small towns and certainly the seven other big cities that have now been put on the scene as the next big food or culinary destinations. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information.